The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor teacher, Harry Reeder. Would you look with me now in 1 Peter chapter 4 and uh, take a look down to uh, one of these um, um, amazing, wonderful texts of Scripture on spiritual gifts, which is where we're headed in our ministry theme this year. So if you'll look down at verse 10, as each one has received a gift. Now, let me read this carefully. As each one or each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God abides forever. By his grace and his peace, may his word be preached for you. Please be seated. So here we've come to the ministry theme, and as is our habit, We jump into the ministry theme uh, the first uh, Sunday after our, our, our New Year's celebration of the Lord's Supper. And now we've come to this matter of stewardship of spiritual gifts. The aim is to discover them, to develop them, and to deploy them. Now, a couple this morning is going to be full of spoiler alerts. Now, here's one. One of the things that I am praying is that by the time we have brought our focus to this throughout this year is that every single one of you will have an idea, more than that, will have developed to some degree, stirred up the spiritual gift, know your gift, stirred up that gift, developed that gift, and are deploying that gift within the body of Christ. Now, why do I say that? I say that. Why would I say everyone? This reminds me of the year our ministry theme was on each one reach one, evangelism and bridge to life. And we said our objective is to get every single member exposed to the bridge to life training so that you have the tools to share the gospel with other people. That's the same desire I have in this matter of spiritual gift. Why? Because of what I just read. Every one of you that's a Christian have a spiritual gift. Now, you've got more than one gift, and we'll get into all of that, but you have a spiritual gift. And we're going to find out we're accountable for either how we used it, if we used it, In what manner did we use it? We give an account for it. Thirdly, none of your gifts are superfluous. 
Every single one of them are important. There are no small people and no small gifts in the body of Christ. We are members of the body of Christ and as members have like a member of the body a role and a responsibility and a gifting from the Lord that no one else has. Not only do each of you have a gift, but each of you have a unique gift. Now, I know they fall into categories, but you have a unique gift. And we are called to discover it. Paul informs us that Timothy, through the leadership of the presbytery, discovered his gift. And he was called to stir it up, to develop that gift. In a word... In a word, our two-year theme on lifestyle stewardship has now come to a focused area of stewardship, spiritual gifts. I remember two years ago, uh, my sister had just gone to be with the Lord. I had returned, and we were just starting the year, and our ministry theme was lifestyle stewardship. Now, let me can I give you a backdrop? Back then, two years ago, my heart desire was that we would be able to take the entire year to study the biblical doctrine of stewardship as a lifestyle. Not just, I'm going to steward this at this moment, steward this at this moment, but stewardship as a vocational calling as a Christian. That we are stewards. We're soldiers for Christ. We're to be saints for Christ. We are sinners saved by grace for Christ. We're servants. And we are all stewards. And what does that mean to live as a steward? That was my heart desire. What I didn't know is once we got started into that, in a few weeks was going to come something called a pandemic. That's what I didn't know. And so we have for two years now referred to our lifestyle stewardship, been able to touch on it, but we have had to deal with issue after issue in terms of so many dynamics over these last two years. But folks, here is my problem and here is my challenge this morning. (laughs) My deep desire was to lay out lifestyle stewardship for a period of weeks of going to the appropriate text two years ago. And after that, to bring the focus, in fact, I remember the illustration I used, one that I was not familiar with in high school, but I did see it from a distance. It was called the microscope in the biology lab. I wasn't very familiar with it, but I did see it. And I remember it had three prongs on it, 10 power, 20 power, 30 power. That's about all I know. But I do know that you could use it to take a close look at things. And what I had wanted to do with no no claims of creativity at all is to take this principle of lifestyle stewardship as a Christian. This is not what we do to be saved. This is what saved people do, stewardship. And to take it and focus it upon those three areas that everyone talks about, time, talents, and treasure. How do I, how am I a good steward of my time? What does it mean to be a good steward of my time? None of us, well, I can't say that, it may not be true. Uh, Most of us here will not live the same amount of days uh, in this world for Christ. 
Uh, we'll have different number of days. The Lord has numbered our days. We were all born into this world with a finite number of sunrises and sunsets in front of us. Our days were numbered. Now, the question is, as a steward, though, what am I going to do with them? I mean, here's a day. We're over halfway into this day. A Lord's day. What did I do with this Lord's day? How did I steward these hours? What will I do with the rest of this Lord's day? I've got six days facing out in front of me. Well, if I'm a Christian, I want to be a good steward. Well, I know one of the things I do. I set aside one day in a special sanctified way that becomes a foundation and a framework for the other six days in which I work for the Lord. I rest from that in order to worship him, be equipped in order to live those six days unto the Lord. And then I've been given all other kind of principles about how to Spend my time. I don't, I, I, I utterly, I, I, let me, I don't want to overstate. Let me be careful. I, I don't really like the term time management. Uh, manage, time manages itself very well. It just, watch it. It just manages itself. It's really, how do you manage yourself with that resource of time? That's really, I like the biblical term, redeem the time. I like the old-fashioned term. How do you spend your time? Particularly when you realize, I can spend $10 and go get another $10. But once I've spent today, I don't get it back. It's done. Now, what I do with it? And I'll be accountable for what I did with it before the Lord. And then, of course, we would have taken time to go to the issues of treasure, the financial um, a means that God has given to us. And what are the biblical principles? And isn't it wonderful how God has given us what I like to call training wheels? To help us with time, he's given us something called the Sabbath. It, the Sabbath is not, okay, one day belongs to the Lord and the other six belong to me. No, the Sabbath is, here is a day specially set aside with the template of worship to set the pattern for how I worship God through work. The other six days, they all seven belong to him. Or, same thing with the tithe. It's not, I've got, uh, God gets 10% and I get 90. That's not it at all. The tithe is God teaching me, that's the first fruits, that's mine to tell you everything you've got, I gave you. And that's the way you acknowledge it. It's the training wheels for financial stewardship. It's not the objective. It's not the maximum. It's not even the minimum. It is something that trains me. Well, what about spiritual gifts? And by the way, you've got more than spiritual gifts. You've also got natural gifts. You've got natural talents and you've got spiritual talents. And how you deal with your natural talents will be very much related to what you understand about your spiritual talents and gifts and how those will be used. So that's where we're headed. Now, if, if things had gone the way I'd planned it and God, and man plans his way, but God directs his steps, we would have had all of that background of lifestyle stewardship in the area of finances and in the area of time. And now we would be starting this year into the spiritual gifts. Well, I didn't get the chance to do that. So here's what I've got to do. I've got about 20 minutes. 
uh, 24 maybe. I've got 24 minutes to get to you everything I'd like to have gotten to you about stewardship in general so that we can jump into spiritual gifts for the rest of the time uh, and go to those texts of scripture. And so I'm going to give you four basic principles on stewardship. Now, why am I doing that? The text that I just read for you is going to be a very important text for us in the coming weeks. And um, that first Peter chapter four text. And in first Peter chapter four, it says each one of us have a gift. It says we are to use that gift for the Lord. And then it says we are to use it as Good stewards. In other words, the framework and the backdrop of using, discovering, developing, and deploying our spiritual gifts, the framework is stewardship. Stewardship, spiritual gifts are one of the elements, crucial elements of stewardship. Well, I can't be a good steward of my steward of my gifts if I don't understand what stewardship actually is from the Bible. Stewardship of all of life and now how does that apply to spiritual gifts? So, I've got three texts and I want to get four principles to you and I want you to go to uh, this other text that was already up there for you this morning. Would you go back with me uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 4? Back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And while you're turning there, let me go ahead and say something else because I got this question in the last couple of days. Okay, pastor, have you left Romans? No, (laughs) I'm coming back to Romans. For those of you who don't know, what we do is we take a break for an Advent series during the Advent season. And then in January and February, leading up to the missions conference, we focus on the text of Scripture for our ministry theme throughout the year that we'll have before us throughout the year. And then after the missions conference, we're back to Romans chapter 5, and I look forward to getting there with you. But here are a couple of texts so that you and I, now listen, have a grasp of stewardship from which we can do the deep dive into spiritual gifts. Let me go ahead and alert you. There out there in the next weeks, we're going to look at at uh, six passages of scripture about spiritual gifts. One of them is in Matthew 25. It, and another is in Luke 19. Those are two different parables that Jesus taught. One about talents, the use of talents. And the other is the use of the mina, the mina. So here are the minas and here are the talents. They're two, they're not, it's not the same parable. They have two different purposes. Those are important to understand. Then after we look at those two parables, there are four texts of scripture that if we can grasp, we can get a handle on spiritual gifts. One of them, and they're kind of easy to remember. Can you just remember 12 and 4? 12 and 4, 12 and 4. So two of the texts are 1 Peter chapter 4 and Ephesians 4, verses um, 1 through 16, and 1 Peter 4, the passages we just read, 7 and 8. And then we're going to take a look 
at Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, which is the most extensive text on spiritual gifts. So that's what those are the six texts of Scripture in the coming weeks that we're going to look at to get our hand around spiritual gifts so that we can be a good steward of God's spiritual gift given to us by his grace and how to discover it, how to develop it, and how to deploy it. But first, we need to understand what makes sure we understand what it means to be a steward. So what I've covered over two, what I would have covered over two years, I'm going to give you in four statements and I want you to take a look at this passage of scripture with me. First Corinthians chapter four and look with me uh, at verse one. Here's what Paul says. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and co-join to that and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, It is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So now look at what Paul says. Paul says, let's be regarded this way. A twofold calling. Servant and steward. The first one, servant. Then co-join to it. It's not, okay, you can be a servant or you can be a steward. No, it's servant and steward. That we are identified with these calling as servants and stewards. The word servant is the word doulos. It means slave, can mean bond slave. That is one who had been freed, but had put themselves out of love to the master back into slavery. So one is a slave, a doulos. And every time you see this word doulos in your Bible, and it relates to the master, the word master and the word slave, doulos is the word for servant or slave. Master is the word despotis. Despotis. We get a word called despot from it. Because among humans, when someone is in absolute authority, it always corrupts them. Thus the negative term, it become a negative term among humanity. But in Jesus, our despotis, there is no corruption. And in Jesus, what the word despotis actually means is an unrivaled master unrivaled master he does it's not he's not one among other masters in our life 
He's not one master over other masters in our life. He is the unique, singular, unrivaled master for our adoration, for our affections, and for our allegiance. He is the master. We are the servants. Then it said, let us be regarded as stewards. Now, this is important. In the first century, can I transport you back there? In the first century, all stewards were slaves. Slaves, one of the things that a slave could be elevated in a household is to be elevated to the overseer, to the executor of the household or the steward, the manager of the household. Now, stewardship is not something for the slaves of Christ, those of us who have been bought by Christ and belong to him and out of love follow and serve him. Stewardship is not something we can get promoted to. It's what we're called to do as his servants. We are servants of Christ and stewards of Christ. Now, the word steward or stewardship is a word that's put together from two Greek words that were compounded together. One of those words is the word oiko. The other word is the word nomos. Oika nomos. Or to read it as you would just read it, the two words together, oikonomia. Or oikonomos. Or oikonomia. That transliterated from Greek letters into English letters, produces a word in your vocabulary. The word is economics. Oikonomia, economics, the economy of life. That we have a certain economy of life. It's different from the world's economy of life. Our God sets our economy of life, how we structure our life, to live our life, to steward our life, the economy of life. But let's go a step further. Let's take those two words separate. Oika is the Greek word for house, it's the, or home. Oika means home or house. Nomas or nomia means rule or ruler. So a steward is a house ruler. And or you can say stewardship are the rules of the house. So God, through Jesus, has purchased us. We are his servants. And all of us have been appointed executors over God's house. And in your Bible, God's house is found in two places. One is his church. The Bible says that we are the household of God. 
The Bible says that we are the household of God is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ's church is the household of God. Christ's gathered church is the household of God. I've done this before, but I'll do it again because maybe there's some people that haven't heard me do it. But you know it because you were in Sunday school. And your Sunday school teacher one day said, oh, I've got something I want to teach you about church. And you said, okay. And they then said, here's the church. Here's the... Only eight of you had that teacher? Here's the church. Here's the... Open the door. Okay. It's a great rhyme, but it's terrible ecclesiology, i.e. doctrine of the church. Because the church is not the building. It's the people. In fact, I got a phone call. This is a true story. I got a phone call one day and a guy said, hey, I've been listening to In Perspective and I found out y'all are in Birmingham. And I said, yeah. He said, where's your church? And I just got this sense of humor that takes over sometime. It's not sarcasm. It's sanctified irony. That's what it is. It's not sarcasm. And so I just said, um, I said to him, I said, well, I don't know. He said, well, can I talk to the pastor? I said, I am the pastor. He said, you're the pastor and you don't know where your church is? I said, no. I said, I don't. He said, well, how can I visit your church if I don't know where the church is? I said, oh, you want to know where the church I pastor meets. Oh, I can give you that. 2200 Briarwood Way. I hope that helps you. And uh, that's where that's where we meet. In fact, the old language in Presbyterianism, it's only been in recent, oh, seven or eight or nine decades that Presbyterians submitted to start calling a building like this a church. We always called it the meeting house. The Presbyterian meeting house. The church was the people, that's where the church met was the meeting house. So we are God's house and we dwell in that house. That's why I want you to see the importance of a service like tonight because the elders and deacons of this church are responsible to understand Stewardship 201. They're to guide the the resources of this church As good stewards, this church is the Lord's. He dwells in our midst. It's his house. We especially feel his presence when we gather for worship on the Lord's day. And when this church functions, it must do so with biblical stewardship that the resources, its time, its meetings, What it does 
is to be guided by biblical principles. And I'm going to stop here because he's so much on my heart. I thank God for Dr. Barker that challenged me. And I thank God for Dr. Barker and the elders of this church who challenged me years ago when we went to plant the church in Charlotte. And they challenged me because as I was wondering what we were going to do about about budgeting and everything, I learned the principle of 50% leaves here. For the work of the kingdom, evangelism, church planting, mercy, benevolence, church revitalization, those that that be a good steward of the finances, be a good steward of the people. Hundreds of people from here are on the mission field, given away for the work of the kingdom. And every time I didn't get a chance to say this yesterday. Ministries that have affected the church universal have affected the church universal because when campus outreach, when YBL, when Christian medical ministry, when the, when the performing arts and the ballet ministry, when all of these ministries were done, the expectation was that it would be put together to accomplish the Great Commission and put together to be given away to other churches. And that's how it multiplies. That's stewardship. That's why services like tonight are not throwaways. Because these are those that are going to guide us as stewards of God's house, his church. But there's another house in the Bible. And that's you. God resides in you. To use the language of Jesus, he makes his abode in you. He abides within you. Therefore, what are the rules of the house? I grew up with a mother who was fastidious. Um, I, I love my mama. I would give anything to talk to her every day of my life. But I know what, when I get home from baseball, basketball, football, whatever practice it was, I knew there was a list and I knew there were rules of the house. Here, you can, t- here's where you take your shoes off. Here's where you can put them on. Here's where you sit. Here's where you mop. Here's where you clean. Here's where you sweep. Here's when your bed's going to be made up. It was all there. To live here, here were the rules of the house. And we do this because we love each other and respect each other. And that's the way we're going to function. The economy of a home. Well, God lives in you. And God dwells within you. The economy of how do I spend my days? All my days, all my hours. How do I spend my resources? What do I do with them? And and how should I see this? How should I view this? There's my master. I'm his servant. And he's appointed me as steward of the house. How am I to function? What am I to do? And I want to get my directions from him. And of course, that means from his word. So let me give you the four principles that we'll just sum this up with and then we'll close in prayer. Number one is this. A steward is not the owner of the resources. A steward is not the owner. 
A steward is a trusted manager, an executor, a servant manager and executor. But we are not the owner. Now, you have really got to get cross-cultural. Now, understand, we live in an economy of men and this, and there, and I believe the Bible teaches property rights. I believe the Bible teaches personal property. I believe the Bible teaches all of those things. But as a Christian, while we operate in the city of man and understanding the economies we operate in, we have an overarching common. And yes, the, the courthouse says that 2037 Bray Trail is in the name of Harry and Cindy Reader. But I know it's in the name of the Lord. It's not mine. It's his. But I know he owns my marriage. I know he owns my children. I know, not just, not for just Sunday school, if we can work it in the schedule. No, he owns my children. He owns my grandchildren. I know he owns my calling. I answer to him with my spiritual gifts. I know he owns the finances. Not just the tithe, he owns all of it. We know as steward, God owns everything. God owns my resources. God owns my responsibilities. God owns my relationships. God owns my marriage. God owns my family. God owns my calling. My, God owns my citizenship in this nation. God owns every piece of my life. He owns it. And it belongs to him. Secondly, a steward, a steward is not only not the, uh, uh, two negatives. Let me redo that. A steward is not the owner. Here, but here's your second principle. A servant steward is owned. I'm, I'm not only not the owner. I'm owned. He owns me. Now, have I overstepped the Bible? Would you take just a moment in your Bibles and turn two chapters with me? Go to chapter 16. Go to chapter 16. A steward owns nothing. A steward is owned. I'm not, I, that's why it's important to keep these two words together. The steward, the servant steward. I am owned as a steward. I own nothing. And as a servant, I am owned having been appointed as the steward. Here's what it says in, in uh, chapter 6. Go, go down, uh, I'll just, for the sake of time, just read down at verse 19. Or do you not know... That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're his house. He dwells within you. Whom you have from God. You are not your own. You can't get any clearer. You are not your own. He not only owns everything and all that you have, you have by his sovereign grace and mercy. But you also are owned yourself. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We not only don't own it as stewards, 
because we're his servants, we are owned by him. He bought us with his blood. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives within me. Let me just ask you to go, let me just ask you to go to one other passage very quickly. Go to Romans. Go backwards to chapter 14. Go backwards to Romans. Go to chapter 14. This is so revolutionary. This will change everything. I mean, you just sung it. He is my everything. Stewardship brings it home. Is that something we sing to feel good? Or is that something we actually believe? He owns everything and he owns me. And he is my everything. In Romans chapter 14, go down to verse 19. Go down, uh, to, not, not to verse 19, I'm sorry, verse 7. For none of us lives to himself. None of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. So why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand, all stand before the judgment seat of God. For as it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So I don't own anything if I see a biblical concept of stewardship and servanthood. Secondly, I am owned. Thirdly, as a servant steward, I am to manage, mobilize, and multiply my resources, my responsibilities, and my relationships. As a steward, as a servant steward, I am to biblically, God's word tells me how, I am to biblically manage, mobilize, and multiply my resources, my responsibilities, and my relationships. In other words, God calls me to be productive. He calls me to be productive. Please be here these next two weeks. Hear what God says to those that he gives the two and they come back with four. And folks, not only do each of us have a gift, not only can we multiply, can we mature it, multiply it and mobilize it. But if we don't use it or abuse it, it can be taken from us. This is something we are accountable to God to use. He owns everything. He owns us. And now he calls us and gives us his word how to, how to, how to multiply, how to manage this, how to mobilize it. By the way, what's one of the callings tonight? What's one of the elders called to do? Manage the church of God well. We are to manage Whether it's God's house, his church, or ourselves, we are to manage 
as servant stewards before the Lord. We are to manage it. We are to mobilize it. And we can multiply it. Now, none of us will ever be profitable. Do you know why we're not profitable? Because everything we've done, we've done from what he's given us and the strength and the resources. He gave us everything. So none of us will bring something to the Lord that wasn't first given to us or the ability to multiply it wasn't given to us. So he gets all the glory. But we can be found faithful. What does the servant steward want to hear? Well done. Not perfect. Not perfect. But well done. Our perfection is in the blood and righteousness of Jesus. Well done. Good and faithful servant so that we are managing mobilizing and multiplying yes let me go ahead and let the cat out of the bag God is a capitalist he invests in us that we invest for him according to his word and watch what he does with it because little is much when God is in it And he multiplies it, even as he uses us. Number four, and finally, we'll close in prayer. A steward is accountable to the owner at the judgment. The servant steward, we must all appear before the judgment seat. Now, let's be clear. Some will appear, and the issue of the judgment is salvation. But for those who are in the Lamb's book of life, when we appear, it's a stewardship judgment. You'll notice what that last verse I read says. We must all appear to the judgment seat for the commendation. What did we do with what he gave us? What did we do with it? Why did we do it? How did we do it? Those are, that's the steward. We stand at the judgment seat, not for salvation. Jesus stood at the judgment seat for our salvation at the cross when he took all of our judgment and bore it at the cross. But we stand at the judgment seat accountable for stewardship. There's two things that motivate me as a steward. One, one was... um, One, of course, is just the love of Christ. The love of Christ compels us. Lord, what else do you want me to do? It's just what I said about Dr. Parker. God, please let us finish his drink offerings. Not burnt offerings with ashes left. Drink offerings. Drink offerings. Nothing's left. Christian life's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Talk to good marathon runners. Every... You pace yourself so that every lap, every mile gets faster. And your best mile, you want to be your last mile. And when you're through, you're done. Nothing's left in the tank. That's it. It's all been given, spent and be spent, to use Paul's language. For Christ Jesus, the Lord of glory. And that's what God has called us to do. 
And the other motivation is when I get there, I know I will not be profitable. But Lord, can you help me from here to there? Be, don't you love this language? Found faithful. When he comes and we go before him, we're found faithful. In responsibilities, in relationships, in resources. That he did his work through his body by our engagement as good stewards. Now, what does that mean on spiritual gifts? I'm glad you asked. I can't wait till next Sunday to start on it. But take these four principles of stewardship. Frame our lives with it. Then we'll focus in with the power focus upon spiritual gifts starting next week. You know, I wished... um, um, Let me just say it this way. The reason I keep emphasizing the servant and the steward thing goes together is because I have found my understanding of servanthood has enlivened my understanding. And I've got so far to go. I'm so glad to be in this series with you. But I have found my understanding of servanthood is what has helped me embrace the joys of stewardship. What do I mean? The servant serves Jesus, and Jesus is our unrivaled master. I have found what gets in the way of my stewardship are rival masters. If only my eyes are fixed on Jesus, and he alone is my unrivaled master, then stewardship becomes the expression of joy to the master. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the moments together in your word. May I just ask you to take a few moments in silent prayer and have the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Just kind of work your way through it. Lord, I'm not the owner. You are. Jesus, you not only are the owner of everything you've entrusted to me, but you own me. I'm yours. You're mine. Jesus, by your spirit, with your word and discipleship, teach me how to manage, mobilize, and multiply my relationships, my responsibilities, and my resources that you've entrusted to me. Jesus, let me with great anticipation look forward to the day of judgment, knowing that though I'm never profitable or perfect, it can be a day of commendation, found faithful, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reader. 
Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.